Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about, should I be worried about inflation? Why you should consider custoding your own Bitcoin? What's the difference between gambling and investing? Are we making Americans peasants again? And money making made simple. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. All right. It is June 11th, 2021. It's my sister-in-law's birthday. Shout out to Kim Dennis. Happy birthday. Hope you are enjoying your best life today. Hope y'all have a good weekend. We plan to. My weekend starts after this podcast, taking off early to go hang with the kids and, and my nieces and, of course, sweetness. But let's get to the let's get to the show. Should I be worried about inflation? Actually, n- no. So. Let me back into why I said no. So the inflation numbers have ran hot. You know, if you look, if you look at the last 12 months, and that's mostly because there was basically no money spent around this time last year. So whenever you're looking at these numbers, you have to look at not just the numbers in, in context of like what the actual number is, but what was happening last year. And so spending went off a cliff. And so you have just like we have unnatural stock market returns over the last 12 months for the last few months, we also have unnatural I- inflation numbers. But but like I always say, I like to zoom out. And, and you could combine that with the fact that the bond market never lies. In the bond market, what bond markets price in, when you look at what the interest rate is for a government bond, it's going to be part of that rate is going to be inflation expectations. And part of that rate is going to be uh, risk. You know, what's the risk of credit risk? And so the fact that rates over the long term have been trending down, and when I say long term, I'm talking like 20, 30 years, have been trending down, but aggressively trending down over the last five years, that lets you know that that the, t- the, the trend from a technical standpoint, we call looking at things on the chart, you know, technical standpoint, that's that's still down. And then you also have the fundamental reason why and the fundamental reason why is the boomer generation who has most of the money they're not spending as much as they were when they were younger and they're putting they're getting ready to retire so they're buying bonds and annuities and assets that are that heavily buy bonds you have technology which is lowering the cost of of life right we had an acceleration of that during covid where i mean the whole work life dynamic changed and that saved people a lot of money saved a lot of people people money in fuel Pay a lot of people in, in, in companies money in, in office space. You ha- I mean, if you look at every major sector of the economy, technology is assaulting it, bringing the cost down. And so you have that driving down the cost of things. And then you have uh, debt. And I mentioned in a previous episode, when somebody has a lot of debt, like the world is a, is a over-indebted person who's on the verge of bankruptcy, they're not able to use debt anymore to expand their quality of life. And so the last 30, 40 years, a lot of the growth that came over that period of time was just was just the world leveraging up. And so you got those three fundamental demographics that are that are driving down 
which is deflationary, which is the op, you know opposite of inflation, right? Prices go down, and then you also have the the other part of that, which central bank manipulating money, because they can't af- the governments around the world can't afford for rates to go higher, because like that would that would cause their deficits to get bigger because they got to pay higher interest rates, right? It's it's interesting that the Fed balance sheet hit an all time high of eight trillion dollars on the same day that the S and P five hundred. I hit an all-time high. That's, that's not a coincidence for those who understand math, money, central banks, and assets and what they're doing. And so the, the biggest risk is not inflation. The biggest risk is debasement. And I, and I talked about the difference. Debasement being the value of your money going down. And when the value of your money goes down, then that makes that, that requires you to have more money to buy the same level of fixed goods and services. And so it looks like the prices are going up. But in actuality, it's the value of your money going down, and you need more money to buy uh, more goods and services. And that and that's the biggest risk. It's not over the next five years. It's not inflation. It's they just got to they just got to devalue the currency a lot to fill the holes in their budget and fill the holes in growth because they don't they don't want deflation to get too bad. And as I mentioned in an episode, I believe that was yesterday, because they're worried about the the natural effect of jobs being displaced and they're thinking about it wrong. But that's that's what that's what you should be worried about is debasement, not inflation. Next topic we're going to cover is uh so today, I believe it's today, I read about it today, maybe it was yesterday, there was an announcement that Texas banks can now custody Bitcoin, right? They they passed a bill I believe like earlier this month or last month that cleared up some regulatory uh, issues around custody Bitcoin. And so they made the announcement now that Texas banks can now own Bitcoin, which I'm excited about because that'll expose more people to Bitcoin. It's going to help build out the industry. Texas and Florida are leading the charge along with Wyoming and being Bitcoin friendly states. But I still think people should like own and custody their own Bitcoin because here's what like I didn't know for for a long time. And most people definitely don't know. Like you actually don't own the cash in the bank. Once you put your cash in the bank, you don't own the cash. You you own the IOU. This is how banks were able to legally like shut people down from getting money out of their banks in the stock market run 1930. We don't actually own the stocks and bonds in our brokerage account. We own an IOU, right? An ability to go and get it out when we want to. And so if you think it's going to be different for Bitcoin, if you put your Bitcoin in the bank, it's going to be the same thing. And so just like having banks, which in my mind, banks are the same as government. Banks and government are the same thing because they're in bed together. If the interest of the government ever diverges with the interest of the people and Bitcoin becomes the enemy, you better believe they're going to seize your your Bitcoin, just like they did, just like they seized your gold, Americans' gold that stored it in banks in the, in the 30s. And Bitcoin, while I believe the future is a future where you do have fiat currencies like the dollar and Bitcoin side by side, but Bitcoin puts pressure on governments that have to be, be responsible. They can't just print money and force us to hold, store our value in that money, right? Bitcoin frees us from that. But I think they'll exist co- by, side by side, making them be disciplined. But it, but it threatens their power, right? The IMF, the day after El Salvador decided to make Bitcoin legal tenancy currency, the IMF came out saying, oh, this, this, this is something we got to look at. It threatens, you know, it threatens global stability or something like that. And you got to, so I'm like, you guys are talking out of two sides of your mouth. First, you're like, Bitcoin's a non, non-issue. 
now it threatens global dominance because they understand like when you study the history of the world you look at the banking families that started building all this wealth in the 1600s and then you look at just the the, the evolution of it like the the bankers still are behind a lot of the government decisions right we have central banks in every major every major country that are run by governments that operate autonomously and that debase money at will. You have the IMF, which is like the central bank for the world, basically, you know, that does it at a global level. Now, they, they're, they're not able to print money, but there's a tie between the central bankers and the people who, who run the world. So, and, and, and this is not a conspiracy. This is out in the open. Like, just go look at it. And so you have Bitcoin, which is a, a just a, a way different financial system that just pulls power out of their hand, right? And so... They've had this power for 400 years, and they're not going to go. Uh, they're not going to go willingly. The cool part is they don't really have a choice. Like you, it's like it's like trying to every every oppressor eventually loses. You can't kill an idea. Right? You can't kill an idea of freedom. Like once freedom spreads far, it's, it's, you're going to lose. Like you can in the process become a bigger a bigger bad guy or girl than what you already are, but you lose. Right, and you can make life difficult in the process. But they've already lost, so I feel like they should just get on board and roll with the punches. Just realize that, hey, you no longer have that power, but you don't have to be a bad guy because they're going to lose anyway. It's it's similar to when the the governments begin to challenge the power of the religions. You know, they used to Catholic Church used to run the world, right? They fought it for a while, and then they were like, well, we, you know, the people the people don't want us to tell them what to think, how to think, what to do. So they want to they want to have a a democratized system and so or they want to have a different form of organization around how they how society runs and so they had to they had to go that route but that's why you but own, custodying your own bitcoin is a way to protect yourself from if the government gets crazy and try to seize it that you're that some of your money is safe you don't have to keep all of it like i don't i don't self-custody all of my bitcoin but i self-custody enough for if they get crazy you know we're good and if they do get crazy and try and do that the the price is going to skyrocket over time because people are going to like really want to protect themselves from the central tyranny of the government. What's the difference between gambling and investing? I've answered this probably question like at least twice a year on my podcast, but it basically boils down to if you don't have a well-designed process that puts the odds of you making money in your favor, then you're gambling. And and when I say process like you can't make up facts and rationale and your reason for owning what you own. Like you have to do real homework. So what I mean by that is you can't say your your, your rationale can't be, oh, Dave and Buster's, when you go in there, uh, you spend more money than what you really want to. And so it's a good stock. That's a, that's a terrible, <laughs> it's a t- yeah, you, you, you want to know, okay, how much money are they making? What's the trend of how much money they made? Are there any major changes? Who ran the company? Like what's the long-term trend of these type of entertainment centers? Are they in trend or off trend? Are they doing anything revolutionary, right? If And then you can get an idea of what the growth of the company will be over your investing time frame, let's say five years, right? And then you could come back into, a, all right, is is this a good price given interest rates, the growth rate? And the long-term trend, and if and if you don't know all that, I find it extremely tough to to make a well-informed investment. And it's okay, like like people gamble. It's it's interesting because there's a there's a correlation between 
people who have less money in gambling, meaning in poorer areas, people gamble more, right? Poor, you know, poorer areas in the, around the world and poorer areas in the U.S. And poor people get preyed on by gambling houses because I, I don't know the psychology, but I guess it's kind of the YOLO mindset. You're like, hey, I, I don't got it now. Might as well just roll the dice and try to and try to get it. And so it's funny as as America is becoming more broke. Most don't know it, but we're we're becoming more broke. You have a lot more Americans who are gambling and thinking they're investing. You know, like these people who are buying AMC stock or these people who are buying cryptocurrencies that are just a gamble, right? I mean, everything that that you that you buy that's not Bitcoin at the current moment is a gamble in my opinion. But my opinion is based on like a rational, well-designed process where I evaluate it, <laughs> you know, what's going on. NFTs is a whole different uh, deal, right? And I would also say maybe a big difference in cryptocurrencies is you might be more taking a, if, if, if you're investing in a bunch of, so for example, the fund I told you about, the one that's, that we own that's market weighted, and it, so it doesn't just own Bitcoin, but it's a small percentage. I treat that more like a venture capital fund where a venture capitalist, like they'll invest in, in startups that they've, they've done their work, but they don't have a lot of data on it because it's a startup. But they'll say, hey, it's in trend. It's something that's going to, you know, become a bigger part of the market moving forward. And so crypto, we know we'll, we'll do that. But they don't know which one is going to be a winner. So they say, hey, if we put a little bit of money in all these different trends with founders we believe in, then net net we'll make money, right? We'll lose money on a third, we'll break even on a third, and we'll make all of our money on the other third, right? That's actually a process. So it's not just what you're invested in, it's it's how you're doing it, right? The person who puts 80% of their net worth in Dogecoin and holds their breath, that's gambling, right? But the person who's saying, hey, I think this technology is relevant for what people need in the future, right? And I want to own a little bit of here, a little bit of here, a little bit of here, and just in addition to my Bitcoin, that... The process matters is what I'm trying to say. And so that's the difference. Next topic, BlackRock buying single family homes. Make America peasants again. So with these historic low rates, and but you got bonds that are basically not paying any money. Um, you have investors who are hungry for yield, right, income. And you have, uh, as I mentioned on, on the real estate or Bitcoin credit and real estate episode, you have... You know, office property, which is just a terrible investment at the moment. Manufacturing, which is meh, you know, okay. Retail, which is a terrible investment. All you really have is multifamily, and really you have single-family homes, which is the best return on investment in the in the, in the multi in the, in the real estate market at the moment. And you've been had for years these big institutions going up buying single-family uh, homes. And so this is not anything new, but people are paying attention to it because when COVID accelerated um, a lot of people losing money, right? And, and rates got lower. They gave that accelerated, just like all the other trends, it accelerated that trend. And so you're, you're having all these new products where they're literally building entire communities that are all for renters. They're buying up neighborhoods and turning them in, into renter neighborhoods. And, and, they're, and, they're, and they're able to buy prices at a higher price than what you or I could buy them at because because of scale, right? If I want to fix up a spot, it's going to cost me more money than it will a BlackRock, right? Because because of scale, right? If if they can say, hey, contractor, if you give me a deal, you can do this on a thousand of our properties versus just one. So they can buy at a, at a, at a better price. And given the trend of what I just mentioned before of the next five years being deflationary, meaning money gets cheaper, yield gets lower, disruption happens even more. 
this trend is going to accelerate, right? So if you're if you're if, if you own real estate, it's going to be beneficial to you. If you don't, like trying to wait until home prices come down to buy real estate is not it's not going to be reasonable. And so it's going to you know we used to live in land we used to live in time period hundreds of years ago where all the peasants you know paid rent tax to their landlords, and it feels like we're going we're going back there with this crazy monetary policy. So. What's the solution? Buy Bitcoin. It appreciates more than all this foolishness. Buy Bitcoin. And I'm halfway joking, but also like make sure like the reason why I run that macro opportunity strategy where uh, we're investing in game changing technologies is that also is a way to protect your, 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 your net worth and your income from investing. Last topic. A buddy of mine started, a, a, you know, we started recording some of the conversations that we have on a weekly basis about just making money and we're kind of like a unofficial one-on-one mastermind, you know, group where we just talk about money and life and what we're doing and how we're thinking. So we started recording it, and I'm, I think I'll start dropping, you know, ten to fifteen minutes of our um, conversations on Sundays on my podcast. I'll, I'll edit it up myself because uh, I got to increase my budget with Steve before I transfer that to Steve. But um, I'm just gonna start dropping those conversations on there. But one, one of the topics we talked about was like, like nailing down how to make money. And and then because he asked, hey Phil, like if you can boil down making money to one one simple action, what is it? I'm like, well, no, it's just you got to find important problems uh, that people want solved, and either solve it through a business or invest in, in it. And it. And it really is that simple, you know. Going back to Bitcoin, Bitcoin solves the problem of having central banks debase our currency, debase our value, steal our wealth. Peloton solves the problem of people who are busy with less time wanting a more convenient way to work out, right? And work out with community, right? Because I think I think the first wave where we had in the 90s where we had these bikes in the house, you know, it didn't work because you didn't have community. I think the missing element is like you need to have community. I think that's what Apple Watch did a really good job of because I have people who I see when they're working out every single day, we push each other. Peloton built that into it. So I think that's a a, a, a big problem. Again, we own Peloton. Zoom solved a problem. Zoom solved a, solved a big problem for the world. Like what happens if, if you need to communicate with people and you can't get to them like we couldn't last year, right? Zoom solves that problem. And that trend, I believe, will continue to accelerate because like once you once you once you solve a problem, like that, people are not going to go back to traveling as much. They're going to travel. We're still going to do in-person meetings, but it just changes the game because people wanted a solution like that for years, right? And so I'll use the example of, you know, podcasters. If you're selling anything and you, like, are still using 100% of your time door knocking or making cold calls, like, good luck selling anything to somebody like me. I'm not answering the door. And if I do accidentally do it, you're not. I'm not listening to your pitch. And if you call me, Siri's gonna make sure you don't get through if your number's not in my phone. <laughs> and I and I dang sure ain't calling you back when you leave the message. So you you need to adapt to the real world. And a podcast is a you know anybody like Steve who's offering podcast solutions. I, I talked I told my buddy I said hey listen man I I built a what I consider a successful business uh, over the last five years. 100% on content. I haven't cold called. I don't cold call. Like in five years, I haven't cold called. It's all been content leading to referrals and people who have come to me. And I've, and I've built a business that I'm, I'm pretty proud of. Am I content with where it is right now? No, of course not. It's going to get bigger. But the fact that if I, you know, when I talk to other advisors and say, hey, I've managed this amount of money, 
you know, I never cold called. I just did it through content. They're like, whoa, that's crazy. But it's, it's, it's content. Content is a new cold calling. Spend two hours a day creating and producing content and do that over a five-year period of time. It's the same thing as cold calling. You know, people say, hey, you're not going to make money on the one call. Like, you're going to make money calling over hours and hours for years and years, and then you build a business. Same thing, right? And so podcasting, a podcasting business like what Steve has set up is a way that's solving a problem for business owners, right? So lots of ways to make money. You got to find important problems to solve. That's all I got for the day. Y'all enjoy your weekend until Monday. Talk to you later. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.